Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, it's the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast, version 243, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And man, we are going to have a loaded podcast here this afternoon. We've got it all for you. The Mavs and the Warriors, the Western Conference Finals, Game 1. Many of you listening to this on Wednesday. Game 1 will be tonight, and the voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein is going to join us on this version, and I, nobody knows the inner workings of the Mavs better than Chuck. Coop's going to get on with us. We'll get his thoughts on where this is going, what to expect, how it's going to play out, all of that with Chuck Cooperstein. We'll share some of our thoughts. We've got some stuff to watch out for, the best places in the U.S. to live. We now know where to, to move to. I mean, we're just loaded. God, we're loaded like somebody who just stuck their face in a vat of cocaine, and we're presenting it to you. But before we do all of that, We've got to tell you about the attorneys at Greening Law. The green team. If you've been hurt in a car accident, you never know when it'll happen. If you've experienced malpractice, if you were injured on the premises of a business, call the lawyers at Greening Law. They've represented all types of clients. And I'll tell you this. I mean, I've been working with them for a while now. And when we tell you that they're doing those things behind the scenes, they're making the calls, they're getting people on the phone, trying to get things put together for me. It's what they do. They take care of all that and truly are your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Well, the thing about it is, man, they walk you through the process. They eliminate all the questions you might they eliminate all the questions you might have about how it works and how it's gonna work and what about this and what about that. And then they've even got some answers to some questions you didn't even know were out there. And so what you're doing is you're saying, Hey, guide me through this what can be a complicated process, help me out. That's what they do. Um, and then, you know, what I always like about it, man, is they don't charge any fees, they don't charge anything. They don't get paid unless you get paid. So they work hard for you because it's about a win-win situation. That's exactly right, man. It's easy to get a hold of them. And again, as you said, that consultation, the original call is absolutely free. Find out if you've got a case. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So before we get into a quick little conversation about the Mavs, we jump onto the podcast and, and I hear Jacques and he's kind of emotional. And, I, and I'm like, man, what's going on? He's like, oh, oh, we got to talk about this, man. Dude, 
I'm an emotional wreck, and I had no, I had no idea I was gonna be one. I kind of figured I might, but I am, and so I've just decided that it's just going to be like this for the next week, and that's because my dude is graduating, and uh, you know I was telling him this. We just had a text message exchange too because he just sent me the little paper where they where they tell you uh what your uh what your seat assignment is at graduation so it means that you're legal um and so yeah he's got his degree and i mean he's got his uh he'll be getting his diploma and all that good stuff uh and so man they had this baccalaureate the other day and uh they went through that and i was fine and then bro on the way home i started thinking why did i do that (laughs) wow really well, see, I tell people this all the time. Like, my mom's been gone for, I think it's 25 years this year. But your mother is your mother, no matter when you lost her, no matter how long it's been. So, you know, on Mother's Day, people will text, hey, you okay? I know this will be a tough day for you, blah. And I'm like, nah, it's really not a big deal. It's days like this where I'm like, she would have had so much fun or she would have really enjoyed this. That's when it gets to you. Mm. Uh, like it's getting to me now again because he just sent me another text. <laughs> but, you know, and so I'm thinking like just how much my mother would have been, you know, kind of enjoyed my son. And that, my friend, is how it goes. Yeah, that's intense, man. Yeah, and, and I, I wondered because when you were emotional and I wondered, you know, how much of that is that angle of it and, and I guess him going off and starting his own life and then you in the proud feeling that I would imagine you have to have that, you know, the young man that he's turned into and he's got his business that he started and all that stuff just kind of all at once, you know? Yeah, it's probably some of it too because, uh, you know, he had a really tough football season. Yeah. <sighs> well, this is how to get some numbers. <laughs> where he didn't, where he didn't really get what he deserved, and we spent a lot of time talking about it. And I'm like, dude, sometimes you just get fucked in life, man. <laughs> you know, it ain't nobody's fault per se. You yep. just got fucked, and it happens. And the sooner you kind of uh, figure out that that shit happens, sometimes the better off you'll be. And it's not really about you; it's really about circumstance. As long as you put the work in, and he. Had, Definitely put the work in, but, you know, he just got fucked. Uh, and it happens, and so it's not like I'm mad at DeSoto or I'm mad at some coach or this or that. It's just if you play one of them big-time football powers, whether it's Southlake, DeSoto, Allen, whatever, you can get fucked and it'd be nobody's fault. It's just it's like a college program. Yeah. You know, so he handled that as well as you could handle it. And then, man, he's just been touched on his business stuff, man. You know, he's like my dude is not a reader. Like, he can read. He ain't never liked to read. As opposed to my granddaughter who was reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid, the whole series and Mm, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, she was a voracious reader for a while. My dude ain't never been a reader. Uh, But this dude is reading books and real estate books and all these other books. He's like, hey, I read this. What do you think about this? Da-da-da-da. You know, um, I've been teaching him how to use credit and all this stuff. And he's like, hey, I just put $700 on the credit card. I'm like, what? 
He's like, oh, yeah, but, uh, you know, you just tell me when it's due. I got envelopes where I put the money in from the other stuff I've sold, and I'll have it for you on that day. And damn, if he didn't show up with a couple of envelopes with about $700 in it, man. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. So, you know, man, so when you see that he's kind of found his purpose, you know, because most people go off to college in search of their purpose and in search of what they're going to do and how they're going to develop in that. And, uh, you know, he's kind of already figured that out, at least this version of him. And so, uh, you know, you're really proud of that. And then, like I said, you know, my mother never got to see any grandkids. So, yeah. you know, you have that kind of feeling about it where you're like, yeah, I just wish he had gotten a chance to just experience some of this. Because he's a good dude. You know, like sometimes they're your kids, but you don't like your kids because they are forever in trouble, that they're forever this or forever that, or they're a difficult relationship. Like I got a good friend of mine, got, you know, very, very difficult relationship with his father. Like, you know, they're fuss fight all the time and have been since he was a kid. Yeah. So you, I'm sure his dad loves him, but he might not like him. You know what I mean? And he might love his father, but he don't really like him. Well, you know, me and my dude hung out all the time. So he's a good dude, good kid. And so when you wrap all of that together, I mean, dude, I still got five days to the freaking graduation. Yeah, man, it's going to be a long week. So maybe I get all this shit out of my system, I'll be fine at the graduation. I doubt it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, man, I mean, when the moment's there and the moment hits you and it's right then, I, I think, you know, that's like the, the pinnacle where all this is building up to it, maybe. Uh, so check this out. So I sent him a text. Um, Again, I go, hey, you need to get this square so you can. This is literally the text I sent him. Uh, you need to get this square so you can uh, take credit card, uh, credit cards for your business. He's like, OK, fine, I'll do that. And then he sent me this paper that's got his uh, QR code on it for where he's supposed to sit and graduate. And, you know, my dude is low key. So I'm like, are you finally hyped? And he finally sent me back. Yeah, with a happy face. Nice. And when he did that, I go, good, because your dad's sitting over here getting all emotional <laughs> with some, uh, what do you call it, the face palm emojis? Yeah, yeah. And so he sent them back laughing. And so I sent him this picture I took of me on the ride home the other day. And he goes, really? <laughs> and I go, man, I just be getting emotional thinking about how much my mom would enjoy and cherish these moments. And then same stuff I just said about, you know, Mother's yeah. Day don't really bother me so much. Uh, so, you know, he sent me some funnier emojis after that. But that's kind of it, man. Coming to grips with all of that is uh, we get ready to move on to phase two. That's real talk right there, man. That's real conversation. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, I don't remember. I wonder if, uh, you know, because I didn't. Like he would never see this if I hadn't mentioned it to him. Yeah. Like I wonder if my if my mom and, uh, and my dad uh, were doing this, their version of this uh, when I was getting ready to graduate. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think my mom probably did maybe a little bit. I don't know, but I don't know my dad. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like it's always interesting. Like I've gotten and like for me it's been different just because I I, I mean. It's like my dad, like you were talking about how AJ got kind of fucked at some point and it, it becomes one of those things where like, I'll never forget. And I've, it, I might've been in high school or college for sure. And my dad's like, you know what, Matt, sometimes you just got to take a bite out of a shit sandwich. 
<laughs> you know, it's the same. It's the same thing. And my dad's like, that's just how it is. You know, you order a steak and they deliver you a sandwich you want to eat. You got to take a bite out of it. Right, right, right. And it's kind of that whole idea of there's things that you cannot control and, and that whole thing. And, you know, I mean, when you get real talk like this, it's not like anybody ever anticipates that, you know, you grow up in, in a divorced house and I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. And then that's all my son's ever known. You right, know? right. And that, that took me some time to be able to figure out how to, how to mentally approach my days to where I could handle the reality in which I live. Hmm. Now, what does that mean? Uh, just, just the, you know, I, I never wanted to not see my kid every day. Oh, I got you. I got you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think any parent would enjoy that. <laughs> I mean, honestly. And so then when that becomes like the situation that you're in, you, you kind of, and it becomes more of a rare thing. You have to, at least for me, it, it took me probably a couple of years to adjust to where, okay, this is just how my life is going to be. And that's okay. You know, and he doesn't know any different. And so then you try to focus on instead of, man, I wish it was this or I wish it was that. It's like, this is what it is. So make the best out of that of what you can. Yeah, I get that. So, yeah, yeah. I, th I think there's a lot of truth in that. And, uh, you know, man, it's uh, it's just the uh, it's just another portion of the cycle of life, whether you're it dealing is. with a, uh, a death in the family or a birth in the family. You know, as I like to say, that cycle of life is a 12 letter cuss word. Yeah, man. no doubt, man. You know, and, and, and we don't have, like, son's management to send us a letter to make us feel better. <laughs> you know, there, ain't ain't that many words you can write. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's nobody sending us a letter. Today is a new day, you know, and, and we're all in this together and all that. That, that's, that would have been what, what could make me feel better on any day, I tell you. That would sell it for me, man. But, yeah, it, it's, yeah, life is a trip. It is. And then you look at it like I was thinking about this and, and I, like, I don't even feel old. I graduated high school 25 years ago this year. Oh, wow. You and going like, to the reunion? No, we, we didn't have a 25-year. We, we, yeah. we had a 10-year and a 20-year. And I didn't know uh, if we were going to have a 25-year or not, but apparently there isn't one in the works. So I guess they're just waiting for the 30-year. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I don't know. I didn't go to the 20-year. I don't know if I'll go to the 30-year or not. And that became like a thing, like the people from high school that I still talk to that I want to be around, I... I talk to you and I'm around to. Them. All right, cool. I get you. So I don't know. I don't know if I'd be in to be like, hey, random person. Remember me from 30 years ago? Awesome. <laughs> you know, I've often wondered what happened to your life. I'm kidding. Today's the first day I've thought of you since then. So what are you up to? <laughs> I don't know if that's me. <laughs> well, you know, reunions can be cool. They can be a pain in the ass. It's really about what your high school experience was like. Yeah, I imagine. And, uh, and I'm like, and, you know, I'm like you, man. You know, the people from high school I really care about, I keep in touch with. Uh, but there's some other people like, check this out, man. I think this girl, yeah, she, she, we went to high school. I know we went to middle school together. I was trying to figure out if we went to high school together, but yeah, we went to high school together and she was a friend, but not a close friend, but we were cool. And sometimes you go around like, I wonder what ever happened to so-and-so, you know, there's yeah, like yeah. probably five or six people. I feel like that about ironically enough, one of them died last year. And I was like, Oh man. Like, you know, you know, when I say what happened to them, like, let me check, see if they're on Facebook or something. Just see what they're doing. And you can't find them or whatever. And so I go, ah, all right. They're just out there living life or whatever. And uh, she happened to show up in the obits. obits and I was like, oh, that's wild. But anyway, more positive story. I'm driving <laughs> in Duncanville the other day doing something. And I just have, I've driven down Wheatland Road literally a million times. All right. Just so happened today, 
or whatever day that was, I looked to the left and it said something like Thomas Kennedy something dental place. And I go, you got to be shitting me. Because that's the girl I went to high school with wow. in junior high. And she's got a dental office in Duncanville. So I was like, when I get a moment sometime in the next month, I'm just going to roll in and be like, yo, where's Tom and the doctor? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know. Now, it'd be funny if she come out and go, okay, now who are you again? But, you know, I have the kind of face that, you know, people tend to remember. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you're sexy, so. I didn't want to say it, but it's true. No, I'll say it for you. I mean, how, the people are going to remember sexy. Come on, man. <laughs> you strut in. Anyway. There he is. There's Jack Taylor. <laughs> she, I thought that was wild, though. It is, man. I mean, it, yeah, it's life's a ride. Life is every every day, every week is just life's a ride, man. And it's I, I love the hell out of it. I think it's crazy enjoyable. All the ups and all the downs. It's something else. Yeah, it is. But with that being said, let's tell you, I'll tell you one of the ups is Bruce Biltong. And I actually ordered some more that's supposed to be here either tomorrow. Actually, I think it's supposed to be here Thursday. We'll see. But I've got my next order on the way because I'm a big fan of Bruce Biltong. You order it online at BruceBiltong.com. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. It's like beef jerky, but it's not. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. It is phenomenal. It's savory. It's tender. It's delicious. No artificial ingredients. No sugar. High protein. I snack on that stuff all the time, man. I mean, it's like as soon as I start running out of the bag, I'm like, well, time to get a new one. Time to order one before and it runs out. I get 15% off because I use the promo code JAM15 every single time I order it. Now, the thing about Bruce Biltong, and here's what you got to get. Here's what you got to understand. It's like beef jerky, mm. but it's not. This stuff is tender, like for real. It's succulent, like like for real. It's kind of juicy. It's it's the most amazing thing, man. I like the slice build time. It's got forty grams of protein in two ounce patch pouch. Love it, love it, love it. Um, I like it in the middle of the day. It's a good snack for me. Yeah, it is. Uh, if you if you're trying to watch your weight or, or eat some low carbs or you're ketoing it, it's great because it doesn't have any carbs in it. Two hundred forty calories. It's all good, baby. Get yeah, some it is. Bruce Biltong. Do it. You know, I got to make a note because we had Steve, the, the guy who came up with this and, and the owner of it and stuff on the podcast a couple months ago. I need to see if he wants to come back on because that dude was a trip, man. I mean, I, I really enjoyed talking to him. And I think you guys would enjoy hearing some more of his stories about growing up playing rugby, growing up in South Africa and what that was all like and stuff. So we'll have to have him on again. But he was a good dude. BruceBiltong.com, promo code JAM15. You get 15% off your order at checkout. So, uh, oddly enough, I mean, we're already a chunk into the podcast, and, and I thought that was a fun conversation and a really interesting one. And we're not going to talk too much Mavs, just me and you, because Chuck Cooperstein can do it. I mean, he can go the deep dive with nuggets of gold that we would never even thought of. I mean, God, Koopa's like a freaking basketball encyclopedia, man. <laughs> and he's going to be on the podcast here momentarily. But I will say this. I think this is going to be a phenomenal Western Conference Finals. It feels like a lot of people believe, just like they believe the Suns were better, they weren't sure if the Jazz were better, but it feels like everybody thinks that the Warriors, I mean, look, you, you still got Clay and Steph and Green. You've still got Steve Kerr. This is a championship-tested and proven team. Are they a little older? Yes, but they still have that type of pedigree. 
And then everybody's like, the Mavs aren't even supposed to be here, but holy hell, this Luka guy. Like, I, I don't know if I can pick. It's almost as if people are like, oh, I can pick against the Mavs, oh, I, but I don't think I can pick against Luka. Well, I mean, it's, it's clear that, and, you know, to me, this is kind of his, um, I think it's fair. Let's see what you think. I think this is his welcome to the NBA moment. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? He's been all NBA, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the, we know that. People who follow the NBA know Luka. Um, basketball fans know Luka. But when you get to the conference finals or you get to the championship series, the NBA finals as it is, you, it's like the Super Bowl. You get a lot more casual basketball fans or casual football fans at the Super Bowl. And so I think there's a segment of people who casually follow basketball that will be introduced to him and whatever stardom he has, especially if they can win this series, is about to take another leap because they're the only game in town. When they play, they'll be mm -hmm. the only game playing that night. All eyes, all people, if you're watching basketball that night, you'll be watching Luka and the Mavs. And um, to me, he's about to hit that superstardom thing because there's no reason to think he's not going to do what he always does. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about this too, man. I, that This whole idea and the thing that Luca, the bigger the stage, the more that he just seems to embrace it and to just show and shine on that stage. Well, right now, in, unless he gets to the NBA Finals, the Western Conference Finals is the biggest stage Luca's ever been on. And all yeah. we've ever seen him do is perform time and time. Game seven against the Suns, on the road, trying to get to the Western Conference Finals, Luka goes ballistic after he had been shooting somewhat just kind of average the whole series. I think he relishes these moments. The flip side of this is, and you sent me this stat, which blew my mind, but Neil Akina has, when he was on in the, in the Phoenix series, Neil Akina held Chris Paul and Devin Booker to a combined 3 of 40 from the field when he was their primary defender. Now, that's insane. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think anybody expects him to do that again. But can you harass people and just make – I mean, this is the NBA. You can't stop guys when they get hot. But can you make it difficult for them? Can you make them struggle? Can you make them shoot? If they're going to score if, – if Clay Thompson scores, you know, 27 points, can you make him take 26 shots, 20 shots, 25 shots? And that's to me, is all you can do is make it difficult for NBA players. Yeah, that's the thing, I think. You know, Steve Kerr was saying that they went back and looked at one of the games they played this year and saw the way the Mavs were trying to defend Steph, you know, just throwing a variety of different defenders at him and trying to get the ball out of his hands so that you force Clay to beat you or you force Green or somebody else. But I will say, I mean, this is a very good Mavs defensive team, which, which gives them chances. So, like, we know what Luke is going to do. And then it becomes, okay, well, can, can Jalen or Spencer Dinwiddie or the random Maxi Kleba three-point barrage show up and, and do a little something for you while Neil Akina and Bullock and, and Dorian are doing really that elite level of defending? And, man, that combination, it, it, it obviously worked against the Suns. And if the Mavs and the Warriors, I mean, these are two of the highest volume three-point shooting teams in the league. I mean, they're going to shoot a ton of threes. Right. So then it's almost like, okay, well, who's going to be hot and who's going to hit their threes? I, I don't know, man. I, I didn't think they'd beat the Suns. They did. The door is wide open for me. I, I would not, it would not blow my mind away if they won the NBA title now, and I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to the Warriors in six. No, I think it's a, um, 
I think it's going to be a fantastic series. Um, I think this is me now. I think for the Mavericks to win, they need to get it done in six. I think going to um, Oakland, San Francisco, wherever they play these days, going on the road against a team that has championship pedigree mm-hmm. is different than going on the road for a game seven against the Suns, who, as we said, ain't nothing got to ever, ever won shit. Uh, this is different. And to me, that's the biggest that's the biggest thing they got to overcome in this series, which is Steph, Draymond, Clay have all been there multiple times. There's nothing they haven't seen. There's nothing they haven't experienced. They're not going to fold. You have to go beat them. And that, to me, is the challenge. Can you mentally go withstand all the stuff that comes in the series and go beat them? I think the Mavs have a great shot. I don't know if I'm ready to pick them yet, but I'm probably not. Uh, but they have a great opportunity. And the question is, who will ride with Luka? It's not going to be one guy. It's going to be, you know. Yeah. Will Finney Smith get you a game? Will Bullock get you a game? Will Dinwiddie get you a game? Uh, will Brunson continue to play like he's been playing? I don't know. Those are all great questions. You know what Luka's giving you. Scary part for the Mavs is you don't know who else is coming to coming to ride on a particular night. Although it seems like somebody shows up every night. Well, I'm not betting against Luca anymore. Mavs in six. Give it to me. Ha! How about that? Let's go, well, man. Come on, let's go to the NBA Finals, and Luca just will arrive and take this league by storm. Do it. It's done, Luca. <laughs> I be- I bow before Lord Luca. <laughs> I think I got to ride. I think it's just, um, man. I think it's hard to get past. It is. It is. Pedigree experience. And here's the other thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm just keeping it real. That now I understand injuries are part of the game, but Steph Curry missed like the last three weeks with a uh, whatever he did to his foot. And if he doesn't miss those games, they win more than 53 games. They're probably the number two seed. And so they were really the number two seed, second best team in the West all year until he got hurt. And then they kind of free fall. Um, so I think I'm going to – I think it's going to be a terrific series. But I think the, the experience at the championship level has to be worth something. Now, here's my caveat, Matt, as I cover myself both ways. <laughs> sometimes, and maybe this is the time, sometimes, like the 92 Cowboys, a team can be too young and dumb to realize what they ain't supposed to do. And they don't give a fuck. They're like, hey – we came to play. And Luca may give them that kind of juice because he don't care. I'm in for it, Mavs and Six. <laughs> I can't go there, but damn, all I right. uh when you got a superstar and the superstar don't care, all things are possible because that confidence that he shows up with, he gives to everybody else. And so, you know, I mean, think about this, man. See the beauty of this series, of the last series. And why you got to give the why I'm talking about this championship medal that Golden State has. But I'm also like Rick Carlisle, where I can see the similarities between 2011, that Mavericks team. And I see the similarities between this Mavericks team because that Maverick team was Dirk and the Miracles, really. You know, they had a oh, bunch yeah. of really yeah. high quality role players. Jason Kidd, I run the offense and shoot three pointers and I do Ben Simmons, anything inside the three point line. You know what I'm saying? I'm Sean Marion. I go, I do this. Jet Terry was more like Brunson where you kind of expect Jet to give you 17, 18 a night, but there will be a night where he ain't going to give it to you. 
and so I see the similarities, and so I see how they can pull it off, man. Um, but here's the thing, though, dog. What gives them that shot is they play this defense that we have never seen from the Mavericks. I think it's going to be a great series, man. I'm hyped. I am, too. I don't too. get hyped often. I am, too. All right, so we'll see, man. But I'm, I'm going Mavs in six, but you're right. It, it, it's going to be tough. The championship pedigree of the Warriors against the, maybe they're too dumb to know Mavs. And they're going to 92 Cowboys this thing and then win it again next year. And, oh, my God, Luka's going to win seven and pass Jordan. It's amazing. And it's just, this is where it begins. Dude, it's uh, – I just – you know, this is – you know, because these these Warriors are at the end. And so it's really yeah. the aging champ. Can they hold on with their guile and, and all this other stuff uh, with the new guys coming in, you know, to see what they can do. And – uh Man, you know, the other thing, and again, we'll get into this with Coop, but, you know, just the job Jason Kidd has done, man. Man, no doubt. And it's not just coaching. I mean, it's not just the tactical stuff. It's how, for however he did it, whatever he learned from his previous two stops where he was not a good coach, he reinvented himself, he changed, he put his ego to the side and learned some stuff. But, um, as a coach publicly, unlike Carlisle, who used to go hot and cold and stuff, he seems at a very even keel. You know what I'm saying? And I think that sends out a message that nothing is ever the end of the world. Nothing right. is ever the greatest thing that ever happened. It's just another step in the road as we're trying to go this. And I think that kind of demeanor, your team can, can feed off of that because it's not the, uh, it's, everything is not a crisis. Yeah, that's true, man. I mean, for whatever reason, it's it's the right coach at the right time. I, I, like you said, I'm hyped. You're hyped. Uh, this is going to be. I, I I just they can win. I know they can win. I want them to win, so I'm just gonna pick them. All right, I ain't mad at you, dog. And it is just after watching what Luca did and knowing that you can get a little something for Brunson, you can get a little something from Dinwiddie. Maybe Kleba can step up from time to time. It, I don't know. It, it's well, weird. Kleba's, like Kleba's going to have one game. Right, and that's the thing. And, and I got to tell you this. I'm going to throw this out there right now. I think Luca's going to drop a 50 spot at some point in this series. Now, you know, I think it just depends on the pace. If the pace is right, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't he? Uh, he's certainly capable of doing it. But I'm going I'm to throw this at you. I don't think that's nearly as important because Luka could do that um, whenever he felt like it to some degree. Um, to me, it's all about, you know, did Dinwiddie unlock something? Is he going to be the Dinwiddie we saw during the regular season? Yeah. Because if he is, well, then I think the Mavericks can take him in six, no problem. I don't want to say no problem, but – if Dinwiddie is going to score 18 and Brunson is going to score 18 and Luka's going to do his thing, then I like the Mavericks' chances. You know, because if they're doing that, then you know damn well Kleber, Finney-Smith, Bertans, Bullock, somebody on another two or three given nights, pick a player, is going to have one of those three-point nights where they're, where they're on fire, especially at the crib. Yeah, and, and um, who knows? So I guess, I guess that's the question. Dinwiddie's my X factor. Who is your X factor? Yeah, Dinwiddie is a really good one, and that would have been the one that I said had you not said that, just because I felt there were times in the Sun series where Brunson gave you enough and Dinwiddie was invisible. I mean, quite yeah. honestly, Dinwiddie did hardly anything for the first six games. 
No, he did nothing for the first season. And so that was going to be mine as well, just because of that, of... I feel like Brunson is on a level now where even when he kind of has an off game, you can still get like 18 to 20 out of him and he's doing some other things and he's aggressive and he's distributing the ball. Dinwiddie, there were times where you're like, why are you on the floor? And (laughs) well, to be fair, I mean, there were a couple games in the Sun Series. It was like that. And you wonder, like you said, did something click for him in game seven? And if he can carry that over into this series, the map sure as hell can win this thing in six. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a different kind of series. I think it'll be a lot more closer games. Uh, they'll have to execute at the end, and you know, the question is, you know, which which Warriors team will we see? Uh, will we see the guys uh, have throwback performances, or you know, will they show their age? And the deeper it gets into the series, uh, you know, the more the Mavs' youth becomes a factor. Yeah, and. I, we'll see, man. I mean, it, it's so wild because this kind of does remind you of those old Jordan teams that, again, it took them forever to finally break through in the playoffs. And you just sit here and you wonder, really, is Luka going to do this in year four for a team that just got past the first round of the playoffs? And I, I don't know. It almost feels like they need more seasoning where this would be an epic series and they're right there, but they can't quite get past that Golden State hurdle. Yeah, it's... Um... What you want, and this, I mean, again, I don't think I'm breaking news. What you want is for this to be the beginning of a, you know, five, six, seven-year run where the Mavericks are legitimate contenders every year. And it's about tweaking your roster and adding a piece uh, until you get the title and get a ring. And so you hope this is the beginning. But the way, it's, the way it has shaped up now, the way it has happened, and I'm just keeping it real. And trust me, Jason Kidd is telling the Mavericks this. There's no reason they can't go win it right now. Like, they ain't got to wait. Uh, Joel Embiid is out. The Greek freak is gone. Chris Middleton got hurt, so he's gone. You got rid of the best team in the NBA. Um, Boston is really good. For some reason, I don't really respect the Heat. I don't have a good reason for that. Um, the Warriors are really good. But none of them would make you go, oh, these are the Bulls. We have no chance. We're just fodder for them. Right, yeah. Uh, they can beat anybody who's left. And anybody who's left is sitting around on their sports talk radio and their local stud podcast by local guys who got fucked by the system. <laughs> <laughs> and they're... <laughs> All right. <laughs> and they're sitting around going, in Boston... Now we got a chance to celebrate at Harvard Yard. Yes, we know. Yes, we know. Uh, how's that? <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Here's what it sounded like. Oh, we got a chance to celebrate at Harvard Yard. <laughs> hey, you know, in Golden State, they're like, hey, let's go get another one, dog. This Hockey is the car. year to go get another one. See? Hockey car. And in South Beach, they're Who's like, hey, give me a Cuban and let's get a title. So, you know, um, this is a fun playoff, man, because everybody thinks they got a chance to win. Everybody does. I hope if Dallas advances, we're not playing the Heat again. I'd like to play Boston. I hate the Heat, so maybe I do want to play them, but only if I was guaranteed that the Dallas Mavericks would beat the Heat. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Heat would be fun. It'd be To me, the the Heat would be like um, the Cowboys and the Steelers. It would be because, yeah. it's. I mean, again, if the Mavs make the finals and it's the Heat, 
three finals trips, three different Heat teams. And then you wonder, is Dwayne Wade going to come out of retirement and they just immediately start calling fouls? Ridiculous. (laughs) I'll never let that go. How about that? They signed him to a a two-week contract. (laughs) Just show up because we know you know how to draw fouls against the Mavs. Yeah, exactly. And then they'll show, I mean, God, can you imagine Luka in in that series against the Heat? He would have gotten ejected like every game. (laughs) He'd have been just apoplectic. I mean, he'd be like, ah, this is what? Maybe he would have lost his mind. All right, well, as we move forward here, before we get into this trip around the block, let's tell you, as Jacques very well can, about Freeway Tire Shop. JR and his guys, nobody does it better than Freeway Tire Shop. From the simple things like oil changes and state inspections to legit serious engine work and things that you may need, general mechanic-type stuff on your car, the mechanic you can trust, he stands behind his work. And again, as Jacques tells you all the time, he takes all of his cars over there because JR is the man. No, JR is definitely the dude, man. He's the guy you want working on your cars. Um, you know, I tell you all the time, he learned customer service at Home Depot because uh, that's where he was in their management training program. And when he started his own business, he just brought the same types of principles. And um, he works on all my cars because I trust him. I trust him to diagnose the issues with the cars. I trust him to use quality parts to fix them. I trust him to charge me a fair freaking price, man. And that ain't always the case. And then... I love this. I trust him to stand behind his work. Nobody's perfect. People get cars fixed all the time, and two weeks later, they're like, oh, it's making the same noise again. And you go, oh, okay, here's the, here's the issue. I got you, no problem. You can do that with JR, man, because he's about win-win. He wants you to feel good when you leave, and he wants you to tell somebody else to come see him right there off of 35 in Commonwealth. Uh, so do it. Take your car over there. It's worth it for the peace of mind that you get with a mechanic you can trust. It's freewaytireshop.com. Schedule an appointment, request a quote, and he'll get you taken care of. Also, like if you're going to do that and you need to, to drop your car off at Freeway and it's not going to be too long, you could just then take an Uber if you go around lunchtime and hit up Smokey John's. Because Smokey John's is kind of, I mean, I, it's not right around the corner, but in a sense it is right there off of Mockingbird, what, five minutes from, from Freeway Tire Shop. Smokey John's Barbecue. Walk in, try the best barbecue in Dallas-Fort Worth, order the jam session bowl. It's on the secret menu. They created it just for you guys. They created a menu item for us and for you guys to enjoy that only jam session listeners even know about. How badass is that? No, man, it's fantastic. Uh, Smokey John's, they were up on Good Morning America today. Uh, or yesterday, celebrating their uh, their victory, their latest contest victory. Seems like every contest they enter, they win. I don't know why uh, they wouldn't. But, but the food is fantastic. The jam session bowl is sensational. And whatever you do, just roll through Smokey John's. Tell them uh, Jacques and Matt sent you. Tell them jam session sent you. They'll, you'll be glad we did. Yeah, and they're going to get you taken care of, man. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. If you can't make it to the store, just jump online and, and, and take advantage of Smokey's Market there at Smokey John's dot com I, I talked to Juan they're going to come on I know they're in New York and they're dealing with all this but we're going to talk to him he's one of the brothers that owns the place and he'll probably be with us maybe next week till he was telling me he was like man this has just been like a whirlwind like crazy with all the good morning America stuff so I bet that'll be a really cool conversation at some point in the next week or two when they get kind of winded down and get back from all the stuff with good morning America that they've been doing with Smokey John's barbecue so this trip around the block here, everybody is probably familiar with U.S. News and World Report, I would imagine. Fairly yes, popular. Sir. Well, every year they put out their best places to live in the United States. And this is based on a variety of metrics 
where they break it down in a couple of different ways in this five, they use five different indexes. They use a job market index, a value index, which is like uh, median income and annual housing costs, quality of life index, which takes into account crime rates, healthcare, education, commuter stuff, desirability index, which is a survey that they poll people with that measures whether people want to live in a given metro area, and then net migration, which they take data from the U.S. Census to measure how many people are moving to or away metro areas. And they calculate all this, and they use a weighted scale for this, and then they release the top 150 metro areas, which would be the top 150 most populous metro areas in the entire country of which to live based on all those factors. The number one city in America to live in, according to this report from U.S. News and World Report, right here in Sweet Home, Alabama, the number one city is Huntsville, Alabama. Really? It is. It's, 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 I'm telling you, it's not. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what they say. I don't I'm know, man. I'm telling you, it's not. And, it's, and I got nothing against Huntsville, Alabama. I really don't. One of my god brother lived in Huntsville, Alabama for uh, several years. But Huntsville can't be the number one place to live just because they ain't got no sports there. Well, they don't have any professional sports, you're right. But they do have minor league, like the Trash Pandas, which are the Calif- the Los Angeles Angels double-A team is out here, and they do really well. I got to tell you, man, I've spent a couple of weekends in Huntsville, and it is a very cool city. Like, I highly enjoyed it. They say it's the number one best place to live. It's the third cheapest place to live and the number 16 fastest growing place to live. And they list all these reasons for why they, they talk about the cost of living in Huntsville is higher than the state average, but much less than other major metro areas around the country due to low, lower housing costs. They ultimately pay a little less than utilities and groceries, slightly less for transportation and a little bit more for healthcare than average in Huntsville. So there's all these factors and that's the reason why. But Huntsville, Alabama, number one, Colorado Springs, number two, which Colorado Springs is gorgeous. That was a city when I was younger that I visited. And for a while, I would always look for radio jobs in Colorado Springs because I was like, man, that would be awesome to live there. I can see that. You want that beer with the mountain. Yeah, and it's just gorgeous water. there. Rocky, Rocky Mountain water. The third best place, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Just stop. It's too freaking cold there for it to be one of the best places to live. Number four, Boulder, Colorado. You see the you notice the Colorado tree. Oh yeah. Number five, the, San Jose, the, California. It can't be there, man. You can't afford to live. That's what I always think. Oh, wait till we get not that far down the list. Number six, <laughs> Raleigh, Durham in North Carolina. Heard a lot of good stuff about this. Number seven, Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is gorgeous and has been exploding in recent years. And they've got a lot of really cool growth in that area. Fayetteville's let a just, very cool area. Let me just ask you, is there anything there other than University of Arkansas? Yeah, the like obviously like there's a bunch of big time like Walmart's headquartered in Bentonville. It's considered like the Fayetteville, Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale area. You know, there's some good breweries there. I mean, there, there's a lot of outdoors and hiking and, and stuff like that to do. It's a really, really cool area. Okay, okay, okay. And they've got a minor league baseball team there too, as I recall. Portland, Maine was number eight. Sarasota, Florida, number nine. And number 10 on the list, rounding out the top 10, San Francisco, California. You cannot afford to live in San Francisco, <laughs> I bro. I was like, you I'm can't. sure it probably is an awesome place to live. Who can afford it? 
You cannot afford to live in San Francisco. Um, you just can't, man. You probably can get 1,300 square feet in San Francisco for uh, 1.2. Yeah, I mean, there'd be no way. Like, you'd, you'd be staying in, like, essentially a trash can. Like, Austin, the grouch would be your house. And you'd be yeah. paying rent of, like, a normal person's rent. Or you'd, you'd have to stay in their version of Denton or something. Yeah, I mean, know, it'd be insane. An hour, an hour outside the city. Right. So the highest Texas city in this, checking it at number 13 in the country, is Austin, which Austin is also becoming extraordinarily expensive to live in. And then you got to scroll down a ways. Dallas-Fort Worth is listed as the 32nd best place to live. See, I can't believe that. To me, it's a top 10 spot because it's affordability. Yeah, I didn't understand why it would be that low either. Now, you got to keep... Hold on, let me click load more. And then, up, oh, got to click load more again. And, oh, there it is. I found it. Houston, Texas, the See, 58th best place to live in the country. I'm going to say, you know, I, I'm having to back off on this a little bit because one of the reasons I would never live in Texas, I mean, in Houston was the traffic. It's just insane. Well, my favorite city, Dallas, Texas, their traffic is rapidly approaching Houston level. Yeah, but, but Houston's way more humid. The weather there is horrible. And as it says in this article, it goes, the Houston metro area attracts people with an entrepreneurial spirit and those who want to work at some of the best companies in the country. If you grew up near a city dump or love the smell of garbage, you'll love Houston, Texas. Wow. I made up that last part. Woo. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, gee. Ah, but not, and then where I live in Birmingham, Alabama is listed as number 71. And I was reading this on my radio show today. Let me give you... It, I think Birmingham is underrated, first off. Is it top 20? I don't know. But it's not 71st. But I was reading this. The reasons why they list that Birmingham's a cool place to go. And it made me think the person who did this has never been here. Seriously, this is what it says. It says, The Magic City is home to art museums, theaters, concert venues, and numerous festivals. Those who enjoy participating in outdoor activities will find plenty of options, from hiking the trails in Red Mountain Park to joining a local kickball team. <laughs> really? It's like, what? Like, who puts that? Like, oh, kick ass, you know? I didn't know if I ever wanted to move to Birmingham, but kickball, I'm there. <laughs> yep, that's, yeah, that's just- that's that. What do you call? It? That's the final final deal for me. I was That's like, right? Breaker. I was like, I've I've lived here it, combined. I've lived here four and a half years out of my life. What the hell are you talking about? Like joining a kickball team is one of the top five things to do in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> I mean, my God, did we have fun with that one today? As you know, what? As a, maybe I'll do a bit tomorrow where I interview the reporter from this, and it's just fake me doing it. <laughs> It's like, well, I, I, I grew up in sixth grade and I was a kickball team player and I went to Birmingham and it was just great. I mean, God, Jeez, kickball. Bro. No, like literally nobody that lives in the Birmingham area. If you were like, hey, what are your top 400 things to do in Birmingham? Nobody would say playing kickball. <laughs> say nobody, huh? God, man. I mean, what are we doing? So then when you see stuff like that and you see San Francisco's number 10, you just wonder like the real validity of a list like this, honestly. Oh, I've got my doubts and my questions about it. Uh, you know, I, I have questions just because I don't believe Huntsville's number one, and you can't have San Jose and San Francisco in there too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, as as because you can't afford to live there. 
I mean, that's not that's not even any hate. That's just what it is. And so, to me, they're full of shit. <laughs> All right. Well, we've just we've we have determined. U.S. News and World Report, the magazine full of shit. <laughs> they should use that on their tagline. That would be awesome. Hell yeah. All right, the other thing that I have for you, and you and I have talked about HEB, how great it is as a grocery store, and they're starting to expand across the DFW area. Well, they are about to break ground, I believe this week, later this week, in Allen. If you live in Allen, you are getting an HEB, and it is going to be smack dab right there across from Allen High School. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that, man. Uh, I've been known to go out to the uh, natatorium out there and hang out. At the nat, what? Doing what? Swimming laps. No, you don't. Do you really swim? <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay, I don't really swim laps. Why are you at the natatorium at an at an Allen High School? Because uh, they got a hot tub out there, and you can relax after a few times. <laughs> Why would you drive to Allen to do that? They have hot tubs all over the place. No, you know, because I don't like people. If you go in the middle of a fall day, there's nobody there. <laughs> So, so this so is the most random thing you've ever said in the history of this podcast. Dude. We're 204. You literally just said you drive to Allen to get into a random hot tub at the natatorium. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not often. It's just here and there. You're like, I've been known to be at the natatorium. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know you were into swimming. You're like, oh, no, I don't swim. I sit in the hot tub. What? Hey, man. I can't. What can I say? I'm here for your amusement. <laughs> I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> Please. I mean, this is just like, I swear, of all the things I thought you would ever say, it was not that. <laughs> that, that was not it. Oh, holy crap, that one got me good, man. I haven't laughed like this since we were doing karaoke and you <laughs> fell out of your chair. Well, I looked at that oh. video the other day. <laughs> I still have that video, too. That was hilarious, man. <laughs> Woo! That was awesome. Also, did you see this? Speaking of things that are happening around Dallas, how many are you familiar with WRRR? I forget the. I think it's hundred whatever. It's the jazz station, like the classical music station. Uh, no. Well, it's been around. It's it's one hundred one whatever classical. It's been around for years and years. Well, it's sold, and there's a very good possibility that they are going to flip it, and that would mean no more classical music radio on terrestrial radio in the Dallas-Fort Worth market. Really? Yeah, which, I mean, I, it's not like I'm jumping around Dallas listening to classical music, but still, it's been around for forever. Uh, you know, uh, I think whenever you leave, you lose something that's been around forever, it matters uh, because it's part of, you know, what makes a city a city or what makes a radio station a radio station or, or any of that stuff. And I just hate to see stuff that's been around disappear. That's really me. Yeah, I do too, man. And, and obviously in this industry, you hate any time people might run into a, a situation where either stations are getting eliminated or they flip them and people that have had these jobs no longer have these jobs because that always sucks. Oh, no, no joke. No. So now to me, that's that's the worst part. I, I'm, I'm all for longevity. The older I get. Yeah, man. Longevity, security. You know, give me that. Give me that five year contract. That's what I'm going after. Hell yeah. That's how you got to do it. You know, there's different ways to swing that. And then maybe, maybe we can look it over. You know, if I, if I get a five-year contract, we can, we can hang out at the natatorium in Allen in the hot tub and we'll talk about it. So you got jokes now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what's funny, I mean, it's, it's, 
That's that's just like on so many levels. One, you don't live anywhere near Allen. And two, I didn't even know that you liked to swim. And now you're going to the natatorium in Allen. Dude, I've always liked to swim. I mean, that is that's that's phenomenal. <laughs> that's my favorite thing you've said in a long time. I'm just saying, man. Hey. Oh, boy. That was awesome. So thank you for that. All right, so we move along. And Peter King, who you know and who I met in, at the Super Bowl, who I read pretty much every week with Football Morning in America. I thought this was interesting because during the offseason, he'll get into some of the other things about the NFL and some of the stories that are coming out and whatnot. And so he had an opportunity to interview Jerry Jones. And I thought this was interesting because this is all on the heels of the Denver Broncos that reportedly are about to be sold for probably around $4 billion and that it might even get up to $4.5 billion, which right. obviously is sky high and, and would be a phenomenal sell. Forbes says that the Dallas Cowboys are worth $6.5 billion, the most valuable franchise in all of sports on the planet. But what's interesting is Peter King sits down with Jerry Jones and asked him if he tried to sell the Cowboys, how much would he get? And Jerry tells him more than $10 billion. And then, of course, he goes, let me make this very clear. I'll say it definitively. I will never do it. I will never sell the Cowboys ever. But the point being, like this whole article that he has with Jerry here and some of the quotes from Jerry I thought were really interesting Justin, and, and this is why when we talk about how the NFL, as long as Jerry's alive, will never allow a second team in Dallas. Part of the reason why is because Jerry was at the forefront of creating a lot of these things to where they can now sell franchises for $4 billion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, his, uh, his approach to marketing, uh, which drew the ire of the league uh, when he first came in. Well, every team probably except the Bengals does it now where you've got the league-sponsored products and then you've got your stadium-sponsored products and then you've got your team-sponsored products uh, to get around it, uh, meaning the guacamole of the league is not the same guacamole of AT&T Stadium, uh, which is all it means. And so, yeah, man, he's, uh, he's a marketing genius. He's made everybody in the league a ton of money, and uh, they all bow down to Jerry, and there's no way in hell a second team is coming anywhere close to Dallas. And can I give you some real talk about that? I'm not interested in them refurbishing this cotton bowl and doing all that stuff because you know you know how I interpret that, Matt? Mm -hmm. I interpret that as let's refurbish. This is how I interpret it. Let's refurbish the cotton bowl. Let's bring this second team in. Let's gentrify all of South Dallas and move the black people out there and uh, who knows where they end up. <laughs> yeah. Because I've seen Bishop Arts District uh, not that far from my house. I don't know where all those people left, but, you know, they come in with that intimate domain and uh, you can you can take this money now. You can take it later, but you're going to take it because we need this for progress. And you just screw. Ultimately, you screw the people who live there. So I ain't really interested in all that. And don't tell me it's not going to happen because we live in a capitalistic world. It's big business. And yes, it does happen. It happens all the time. And all you got to do is drive around Dallas and you see it everywhere. That's very true. That is exactly what would happen. And, you know, this article with Jerry I thought was interesting because he says a couple of things. Like, he goes all the way back to when he first bought the Cowboys and how Donald Trump said he felt sorry for the guy who bought the Cowboys. He called it reckless crazy. 
And he says, we really were America's team because the FDIC owned 5% of the franchise. My motivation (laughs) was simply to survive. He goes, I danced with the devil and it created an edge with me. I didn't want Jimmy Johnson to fuck with me because I just lost my tolerance after what I went through my early days. And I thought that was really interesting. He goes and he points back, you see how much it's improved. And he's not just talking about the the Dallas Cowboys, but the NFL as well. And I didn't know this. He goes, do you know that 7% of fans have ever gone to an NFL stadium? The rest fell in love with viewing the games. That's where the values are being appreciated. And then with the Amazon streaming deal and the potential with some of the new technology, he says the NFL, you can't get it anywhere else. And that's why all these people want a piece of it. That's interesting. Uh, you know, the um, the way prices are, man, I believe that people can't go to game. Like, if um, if you want to take your classic family of four, dude, check this out. When my dad, this was a couple years ago, I sent my dad, his wife, my brother, and my son to the game. The tickets were $900. What the? God. And I'm not, and they had good seats, not great seats. Yeah. The tickets were 900. The parking is another, I, th- I probably copped the parking pass, but the parking is like $75. And then, you know, you go to the stadium, you're going to eat, you could easily spend, let's say, uh, I'd say realistically, a minimum of 100. Um, if you got a family of four eating at the game. Right. So you just spend a band, a rack, a grand, however you choose to God. call it. And there's not, I mean, in America, you know, there's not a lot of people who can say, hey, I'm just going to spend a $1,000 for this, let's call it a five-hour investment of entertainment to see it live when I can look at it at home for free for 50 bucks by the time I buy some wings from Wingstop, drink some beer or soda at my crib. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, you know, in, in the reality of it being, like you said, let's let's say it's a thousand bucks to do all that. You can go out and buy a 75 inch smart TV for a thousand dollars and sit in your house and, and have a phenomenal view of the game. I was going to say, and I took the cheap way out. Like I ain't bought no, no, no merch. Like I ain't bought you no t-shirt. Yeah. That says, hey, I was here. I ain't bought you no baseball cap. I ain't done none of that. We just went to the game and ate. And, you know, dad, y'all better eat before we get to the game, too. I don't want you hungry at the game. Yeah, man. I mean, that's I have not been to an NFL game outside of being using my media pass in years. And quite honestly, it really does not have a lot of appeal to me to go in person because I like watching it at home and being able to incorporate it. I can do some other things while I'm watching the game. If I want to flip to another game in commercials, I can do like there's so much that's involved with the time that it takes to go to professional and even high level college events these days that a lot of the times I just prefer to be at home for all that. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it real with you, dog. I ain't got no use for game day traffic. Um, I don't mind pregame traffic because the nature of my business, I get there two hours early. And so even when I go as a fan, on a rare occasion I go to a Cowboys game yeah. or some other game like that, I get there an hour and a half early. So the traffic in is not a big issue. That traffic leaving, bro, I ain't got no time for that. Yeah, man. I mean it's a whole it's just it's it's I mean, honestly, it's like going to an Alabama game, for instance, and they, they, they get 100,000 people for every home game. You go to an Alabama game, you, you got to leave early enough to where you're not sitting in traffic so that you can get into the game on time. Let's say you're not even going to tailgate. 
And then once you leave, it's going to take, you end up where if, if you're going to go to a game, probably the only game that you're going to be able to watch that day is that game that you went to instead of being able to watch six, seven, who knows how many other games that are going on. Yep. It's wild, yep, man. Yep, 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 yep. You know, the other thing that Jerry said, and man, he nailed it and, and they're on point. And he talks about the, and we've talked about this before, Jerry says there's no such thing as bad coverage of the Cowboys. Bad coverage makes the Cowboys human. And he is positive his fan base loves the human. And then Jerry says, let me tell you a story. A few Ah. years after I bought the team, I'm in Los Angeles having lunch with David Hill and Ed Gorin of Fox. There were a lot of negative headlines about the Cowboys. Michael Irvin was in the headlines. People are saying the owner's an outlaw. So I told them I'm tightening the lid on the franchise. We're going to get control of this team. David Hill jumps up and says, no. Do not touch my boys. They are television gold. Don't even think about it. And as he says, Jerry's words, the foibles, the soap opera, the issues, they create interest. People love that. I was like, you know what? I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) The constant drama of what the Cowboys are. And, you know, it's not just the Cowboys. I mean, now it's it, it's permeated the league, and, and there's always something going on. But, like, he talks about the Senior Bowl, the Combine, free agency, the draft, training camp. We always got something going on. People follow us year-round, and every now and then the owner gets in the paper. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, man, they um, – it's why they're America's team. They have, they have what you want in the radio business or the podcast business. They have people love them or people hate them. There's no ambivalence. There's no, eh, it's the Cowboys, man, who cares? No, people love them or hate them, and that's what you want. Yeah, and you look at it, and it, it's, you know, you can look at this, and this is what's always fascinating. Out of the top 100 viewed television events in any given year, usually about 75 of them are NFL games. And, and that's, it, like, all shows and everything that's on television, 75 of them will be NFL games. And out of those 75 NFL games, pretty much every single one of the Cowboys games, as other than the noon kicks, all the other ones will be up there, like, in the top 50. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt. Um, you know, man, they're just a polarizing team. Mostly because you either remember them when they were good and you've uh, you followed them all that time or – or you hated them because they were good, and now you know you know you've got the generational hate. And so uh, the the main thing you never want is apathy. Like nobody cares about the Cardinals, man. Eh, the Cardinals play, eh, who cares? Yeah. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys play. I hate the Cowboys. I'm talking about the Cowboys. Overrated Cowboys. Da 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 da. Or I love the Cowboys. Been a Cowboys fan. Roger, Troy, Romo, Dak. I ride with them. I mean. It's, it's greatness. I love it. It's good for what we do. <laughs> I mean, it, it's the Cowboys, the Cowboys, man. And they, it's like, it's funny because my, and you know, Rashid, I mean, he is a big Raiders fan and he talks all this crap about the Cowboys and sends, you know, oh, they have, they've won only these playoff games and they've only done this. And every time he does that, I just screenshot r- television ratings and send it to him. I go, well, who's watching the Raiders? <laughs> I mean, the Cowboys, regardless of their record, regardless of how mediocre they've been, they are the most relevant franchise in sports. And that's a testament to everything that Jerry Jones has done. And again, going back to the beginning of the conversation, plays into some of the reasons there will, as long as he's alive, never be another team in Dallas. Sorry, Mayor Johnson. man. No, it ain't going to happen, man. All right, it is our treat, man. We are stoked to have him back again here with us on the podcast. You know his voice very well. We've talked to him many, many times throughout the course of the years. 
the voice of the Dallas Mavericks. It is the greatness of Chuck Cooperstein. And Coop, man, how stoked are you to experience this? Because I know just being a fan, I about wet my britches the other day when we were watching Luka go off, and the Mavs are in the Western Conference Finals. It's been a long time, and it sounds really good, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it does. Sounds really good. It's uh, you know, it's it's amazing that uh, this team you know spent such a long time trying to get to the top, and uh, you know had eleven uh, eleven consecutive years of fifty wins or more before they finally achieved the championship. And now, you know, their first year of winning fifty, they put themselves in a position to do that again. And it's uh, it's really quite something to see. And what we saw on Sunday night, uh, you know, I've, I've said it a lot over the last forty eight hours. It is the single greatest individual game in Dallas Mavericks history. It just—it was a remarkable performance on every imaginable level. Wow! Now we we have to dig on that for just a second. What gave? I think I know, but I, I want to make sure. What gave that the edge over uh, the Mother's Day massacre? That certainly was right up there. Obviously, when you you win a championship that's the most important game that you could possibly play. So from an important standpoint, um, you know, that game, at least until the Mavericks win again, uh, will always stand out. Uh, this one, um, the Mavericks led by more points in this game. The Mavericks were on the road in this game. The Mavericks were in game seven in this game. You know, it was, the Monday Day Massacre was, a, was game four. I mean, they, and they were up three nothing, so they had all kinds of swings added. Even if they you know, lost game four, they still were probably going to win the series. Uh, here, I mean, it's one game, winner take all, on the road against a team that you had lost to by an average of 19 points in your previous three games there, a team that you had not beaten in six games in that building going back to November of 2019, uh, a team that finished eight games ahead of everybody else in the NBA this year, which had not been done since the Lakers in 2000. You add all that up and you play a game like that where you shoot 58% after, by the way, not shooting 50% in any game this season in the playoffs and that's the greatest and, and hold them to 90 and hold them to you know, 27 points in the first half that is the greatest individual performance in Dallas Mavericks history how did you feel about the game going into it I felt that they were going to play really well uh, you know I, I didn't I wasn't predicting a win or anything like that but I, I thought we were going to see at least one game in this series where the Mavericks do what they do well and Phoenix does what they do well, and then let's see ultimately with five minutes to go what happens. I, I thought we were going to see that, and frankly, we never saw a game like that in the series at all, which, again, given the quality of the teams, is absolutely stunning. It was that, that was a very odd series, Coop, where it seemed like in every game each team was up by like 20 points or very close to it in every single game for the seven. But as we transition into the Western Conference Finals and you look at the Golden State Warriors and what this matchup is about, how do you like the Mavs going into this against a team that it, it, it is championship tested? They have multiple guys. They know what it takes. This is that team, that big hurdle that you have to get over. But how do you like the Mavs in this series? Well, what do they always say in boxing? To be the champ, you got to beat the champ. Mm. And while they're really, they haven't been the champs for the last three years, as you say, they still have that championship medal about them. But I think they, they sit really well and have a great chance to win this series. Um, you know, again, uh, they do have guys with that experience, but these are not the 2015 Warriors or the 2017 Warriors with Kevin with Kevin Durant. You know, they're not that team. They're not that. They're not as good offensively, uh, and they're not as good defensively. 
Um, and, and, and the Mavericks, uh, I think are far better defensively than they've ever been. And, you know, we, we kind of saw it during the regular season, although I don't know that that's going to matter a whole lot in this series with, you know, Clay had missed a couple of games and Draymond had missed a couple of games as well. Um, but I don't think there's anything that phases this team right now, and especially because there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that phases their best player, who is the best player on the floor in this series. And probably uh, if there is a final series for the Mavericks, he'll be the best player on the floor in that series too. What is it about Luka, man? that allows him to embrace these moments when other people kind of shirk from him? Because he's done it all his life. He's mm-hmm. done it all his professional life, basically going back to being a, a professional player at 13 in, at Real Madrid and winning uh, a Euro basket at 18 uh, with Slovenia and winning the ACB championship with Real Madrid in, in the best uh, league in the NBA, uh, best league in the world outside uh, of the NBA, at least a, a club league outside of the NBA. Uh, you know, he, he's done all of this stuff. So this, this does not face him. I mean, he, he's used to playing one and done games for it all. I mean, could there be any more pressure than playing a game for your country on the road to do something that the country had never done and qualify for the Olympics like he did last summer when he went for 31, 11, and 13 in a 40-minute game uh, against Lithuania on the road in order to qualify for the Olympics. He just lived for that moment. He dominated the game just as he dominated game seven. And just as I think he's going to, his presence is going to dominate much of this series. And, you know, he's just got to hope that uh, his teammates uh, continue to do what they've done. And that's come along for the ride. Yeah, it's one of those things, Coop, where Luca. every time we've seen one of these series, for the first couple of years against the Clippers, it's like, my God, in the playoffs. And then it's like, holy crap, now you're doing it in the second round, and it's like he took it to another level. And I just find myself wondering, what level might he get to on the biggest stage that we've ever seen him on in the Western Conference Finals to this point in his career? Um, I, he's averaging, what, 33? Yeah. 33 and 10 in the, in the playoffs so far, and about six assists. Uh, I think that's pretty much what you're going to see. I mean, uh, you know, Jim Jones, the uh, the uh, uh, radio announcer, the color man for the Cavaliers, back when Luca first played in Cleveland, he had one of these ridiculous halves where he scored like you know 27 points, or I know he had like 18 in the quarter, and he just gra- I remember him grabbing me at halftime and just looking at me like with his eyes wide open, saying, "Oh my God, I've just seen LeBron," <laughs> and that's what he is. That he, I mean, he he handles it like magic. He rebounds like Carl Malone. Uh, he he shoots it. You know, he's streaky, kind of like LeBron. But he's you know when he's good, like the other night, and he's six of eleven from three. He's really really good. Uh, I mean, he he's just got that sense about him, how to play the game and how to play it at an extraordinarily high level when you have to be able to deliver like that. Um. So that leads to the question of. Which of his boys is going to come along for the ride with him? Well, I think Brunson will. I don't think, I, you know, I think he's pretty much proven that point in the first two rounds. Um, and then, you know, you have your your galaxy of third stars that uh, all seemingly take turns as the lead guitarist, right? They each have their moment where they play one great song, whether that's, you know, Dorian hitting eight threes like he did against Phoenix or Maxie like uh, he did against Utah hitting the eight threes and, you know, blocking shots at the rim like he did the other night where he had three blocks and just played great. Um, you know, whether it's Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, bouncing back after 
um, a really poor playoff to that point and just played brilliantly in game six and seven. You know, who, who, whoever that player is, that player, and, and, and you, know, you can't even forget Reggie Bullock just for all the work that he's done on defense uh, against these high-quality scorers and then you know, shoot 40% from three and be a really efficient scorer. So the, everybody's had their turn, and that's the beauty of this, isn't it? I mean, the world does revolve around Luca, doesn't it? But Luca can't do it alone. He's got to have other people coming up and playing big. And at different times over these first two rounds, they've done that. And uh, there's no reason to think that they won't be able to do that again. When you look at the Warriors, and obviously we know what they can do, they can jack up as many threes, if not more, than the Mavs with Clay and Steph and, and, and what Green can do. What's the defensive philosophy? How are they trying to attack the Warriors defensively, and where does their focus need to be? The Warriors are still pretty good defensively, and Draymond is still really good on, on the defensive end. And, uh, you know, really it's going to start with, uh, with Andrew Wiggins and whether or not Andrew Wiggins can guard Luka. <laughs> and if Andrew Wiggins, you know, uh, if he can do that, well, then I think Golden State uh, has a chance. to Not that you're going to stop Luka because you're not going to stop him, but you've got to be able to find a way to uh, have him shoot, say, like he shot in game five when he shot, what, the 9 of 25 or whatever that was, right? So, I mean, he, you, you've got to make him a volume scorer and not an efficient scorer. But, uh, you know, there's always there's going to be help and there's going to be switching and there's going to be all, all this stuff that goes on for, for Golden State. And, and – you know, Luca, it's it's like Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady has seen it all. He has seen every coverage that you can possibly throw at him, and he finds a way to beat you. And now Luca is 21 years younger than Tom Brady, but he has seen every coverage that a basketball team can possibly throw at him. And when you're six nine and you have that uh, that sixth sense, if you will, uh, to know where the ball has to go before it actually happens. Uh, you become almost impossible to defend. What's been the biggest mo- jump in Jalen Brunson's development, and how has he become like basically a twenty-point-a-game scorer, basically in the playoffs? Well, his, his ball handling has improved dramatically. He's always been very good as a post-up guy, for even as a little guy at six-one, always had great footwork down the post and able to create space for himself. But uh, his work with uh, God Sham God, uh, the Mavericks ball handling coach, uh, has really taken him to a different level. I mean, he's got he's got the in and out game. He's got the crossover game. He's got the you know between his legs and back and forth, and you know, getting uh, you know rocking the baby, if you will, and uh, be able to create the space for him. So he's always been a good shooter, uh, but now he's become an excellent shooter as well as somebody who was able to, to finish at the rim. And so he's become a much more complete offensive player that way. How do you see with Golden State when when they've got the ball? And, and Dallas, like you talked about it, Coop, th- th- this might be the best defensive team they've ever had. Jason Kidd coming in and completely changing the way this team plays defense. How do they c- keep that defense that we saw against Booker and a lot of the times against Paul? How do they do that against Golden State? Well, I you know I'm I'm curious to see. Uh, you know who starts on Curry and and who starts on Thompson. Um, you know I, I have a feeling that Reggie's going to start on Curry, uh, and you know that that's something that really seemed to work well uh, in the last series when they made that move uh, and they uh, you know they put they put Reggie actually wound up putting Reggie on Booker and that that completely changed things. Now Booker's absolutely bigger than Curry, but the one thing Curry does better than anyone in the world is you know, he gets in the half court and even if he doesn't have the 
Rogers going to have to try to fight through a lot of that. And I think that's so you, you start with Reggie Curry and Kenny Smith against Clay, who can still shoot it, but uh, certainly is not the player that he was uh, after two and a half years away, and that's understandable. Um, and then, you know, Jordan Poole coming off the bench, I, I think, you know, he, he can definitely shoot. He's a scorer, and he, although he played very poorly at the end of the Memphis series, did not he was like nine for his last 33 in the Memphis series. Uh, but uh, I, I think, I don't think the philosophy changes all that much. Um, I guess the, the difference here is that uh, ultimately, when the Warriors are at their best, it's when Draymond Green is the playmaker. And, uh, you know, basically, you, you have to, to me, you have to back off Draymond and, and dare him to shoot. Now, he, in game six against Memphis, decided he was finally going to shoot. He had a really good game. He had 14 points and 15 rebounds. But most of the time, you'll see him with the ball. He's at the top of the arc, the top of the circle. And he's looking to pass. He's not looking to score for himself. So, you know, you, you've got to be able to back off him, dare him to shoot, doesn't shoot, then, you know, you shade your defense wherever you want to shade it, and, and force them to make a decision. The one thing that you know about the Warriors is they will turn over the ball. They turn it over way too much, quite frankly, for a team that is as good as them. They've been able to get away with it for a long time because they've always been a really good defensive team, so they've never, uh, they haven't let those turnovers ultimately get to them. Um, and, of course, you had this otherworldly shooting team. Uh, so, uh, you know, if the Mavericks can force the turnovers, and I think they will, and they can convert off those turnovers like they did in the Phoenix series, I think that's a pretty good recipe for them. So is that Luka, is that Luca's defensive guy? Since Draymond ain't trying to shoot, uh, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, uh, is, is Draymond going to be willing enough to put it on the floor and try to drive it on him? Uh, you know, will we'll drive it on him to shoot? I, I don't think he's going to do a whole lot of that. So we'll see. Now, here's the question, man. We talked all this time already. We ain't said nothing about Jay Kidd. Uh, when I saw you last at Dickey Arena at the uh, NCAAs, I was like, how has the defense changed? Because we heard for a decade, man, the Mavericks can't play defense. Then look at them now. Well, I think he, uh, he, he said it from the first day, and he followed through on it and, and constantly worked on it until they ultimately got it. Um, you know, I love Rick Carlisle as a coach. I think he's brilliant. I think he's absolutely a brilliant basketball mind. But ultimately, Rick would always fall back on his offense. You know, he would talk about defense, and they would stress defense, uh, trying to get the players to play. But ultimately, every move that the Mavericks made over the last several years was skewed toward offense, believing that the way the game is being played right now, you have got to outscore your opponent in order to win. I mean, yes, of course you do. But, I mean, in theory, just you, 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 yeah, it's better to win. Uh, you're going to have to win 125 to 120 as opposed to 110 to 105. And it, it's funny now as you look at the final four teams in the NBA playoffs, and they are the top four teams as far as fewest points allowed in the league. And I don't think that's happened since the early 80s. So you know, kudos to Jason Kidd, to his assistant Sean Sweeney, for putting in the system for uh, demanding that his guys do it and demanding that guys be accountable not only to the coaches but accountable to each other to make sure that they're doing the right thing. And I think when you saw just about the perfect defensive performance in Game 7, I, I don't know that it can be done any better. Well, Coop, we appreciate the time, man. I, I know we're, we're as stoked as you are, and, and 
who knows? Maybe we'll be talking again in a, in a couple of weeks about the, the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Finals. I, I told Jacques, I was like, I'm, I, I didn't know that they could get past the Suns. And the fact that they did that and the way that Luka just continues to just shine on these stages, I don't know how you pick against that guy. I just don't know how you do it. So I, I, I think the Mavs are going to take this. And, and who knows? Maybe this is the first step in his career of becoming one of the GOATs of all time. Well, it, it, it's funny because uh, I, I think there's – most people almost are forgetting what they watched 24 hours or 48 hours ago. Mm. You know, and, and if you look at the, the general general punditry that's going on, you know, there's, there are a lot of people who are saying Warriors in five. I mean, they're going to give Luca <laughs> the benefit of the doubt saying he'll be able to win one game. But uh, I, I think there, I think there are too many people, quite frankly, who are living in the past. You know, they're thinking these are the Warriors of 2015 and 2016 instead of the Warriors of 2022, who are still a very good team, but a very different team. And so, and, and these Mavericks, you know, they, they've got, uh, they've got absolutely nothing to lose and they know it. They're playing with house money and they're going to go out and just uh, get, give it everything they have and have fun and, and live in the moment. And that's basically what Jason's told his players. Look, don't, don't look at this, this grand pronouncement of, man, you're in the Western Conference Finals or, you know, wow, you're, you're playing for a championship. Just go play the game and have fun. And that's what they do. Chuck Cooperstein, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for the time. Yes, bro. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Hopefully we're talking in the finals. All right. I hope yes, so. Sir. See you, Coop. Okay. Be good. All right. There he is. The great Chuck Cooperstein, man. And it, it's exciting. This is exciting. I mean, I talked about this the other day. This is only the fifth time in the history of this franchise that the Mavs have made it this far in the playoffs, and we haven't seen this in 11 years. Embrace it, man, because this – this, to me, even if they lose to the Warriors, this, to me, is the beginning of what we all wanted with Luka. I had no idea it was going to happen this early, and my God, this dude is just on a different planet. No, I mean, we talked about it the other day, man. And see, I, I think the greatest example happened. Like, Devin Booker is a star. You might even call him a superstar. But we said, or I was saying, that there's a difference between a superstar, and then the next level, which is, you know, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, those cats. Well, Luka's heading into that category, and what I mean is, in a game like that, where everything's on the line, your superstar shows up and performs like he does every night. The guys who aren't at that super-duper elite level, the Mensa level of superstar, that's what I'm going to start calling it, they might turn into Devin Booker performance, which is awful, you know, non-factor until the game was over then you scored some points at the end but they never really mattered yeah so we'll see man i mean this is the western conference finals i mean i'm just i'm just stoked and, and like we mentioned earlier at the very beginning back when we were talking about the mavs the whole world now gets to see luca there's no other competition there's no other nba game going on on wednesday night it's luca it's Steph. Everybody fell in love with Steph. Everybody fell in love with the Warriors. I think nationally, people are about to just fall in love with Luka Doncic and these Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, because they're going to uh, they're going to love his game, man. I mean, literally, they're going to love his. What's not to love? He plays a beautiful game. He's going to play to the crowd. He's emotional. Sometimes it drives you crazy, but it yeah, is. I was going to say it is what it is. <laughs> he complains a little um, much, but you know, whatever. When you're that good, uh, complain. I'm cool. <laughs> and then you know what you do when they bitch at you and, and, the, and they get irritated at you. You drain threes. You look at their bench and you laugh your ass off at them on purpose. 
Pretty much. And that's exactly what he did. I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited. It's going to be a fun series. We'll talk again. And again, this hopefully, I don't know if the whole series lines up like well, this. But I know Friday, yeah. when we talk again with everybody, we'll be looking back at game one and looking ahead to, to game two on Friday night. Yeah. Um, there. Uh, you know, I've had a couple questions, man. Are we going to get any audio from uh, a Mavericks homer? Uh, we'll see. I don't know. See, the thing of it is, like, I, I don't jump up and down with the Mavs as much as I do. Sometimes I do, as much as I do with, like, the Cowboys. But my brother's coming in town this weekend, and I don't know that we'll be watching them at the house. Like, we may go somewhere and watch them out and about. Right, right. I guess. So we'll see. It, it, it may be like a little bit later in the series. I might try to do that once and see if we get a little Mavs secret homer audio. Because it happens. I mean, there are times I was yelling at Booker and Paul, and, and yeah, I mean, it definitely happens. So, well, we all know you, so we know it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done it for the stars because that type of, I don't know if we could air that. Really? Well, just, hey, I played hockey, you know, and, and like I played right. basketball, but I always had that hockey mentality. And, you know, I True get defensive, it. man. Like when those guys would fight, you know, I'm up screaming like I'm in the scrum with those guys. So <laughs> that's just how I, I am. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I get it. All right. Enjoy the next couple of days. Go Mavs. And we will talk to you on Friday, looking back at game one, looking ahead at game two, heading into uh, this uh, weekend. And then how about this? We're a week away. We're one weekend away from Memorial Day already. Crazy. So enjoy that. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.